you join me in a rather quite a plain white room, I would say. Would you agree yeah. with this, Dan? Yeah, this is about as plain a room that you could possibly get. Yeah. Uh, I do love these air vents that look like you could escape through them. Absolutely. It's very diehard, um, isn't it? It is. Um, uh, here's an admission I'm going to make right now. Yeah. I've never seen Die Hard. No. I understand. I kind of get it. Like, I know what it's about. Um, but I've never seen, if you give me a list of your 10 favorite movies, I would say that I, the chances are I've seen one. I'm, oh, wow. I'm bad at movies. Are you just not like a big movie guy? I'm just not. Well, here's the thing is I am crazy anxious. Every minute of every day, I I mean, you just heard me talking about two different things where I'm like, yeah. I hope they didn't read the situation this way. Right? <laughs> yeah, I yes, mean, we don't have to go into it, but that's like how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. I wake up anxious. I go to sleep anxious. Uh, and so I try to not watch things that are going to make me feel any more anxious than I already am. And so I stick to like uh, usually like comedy oh, <laughs> so that's enough. my thing fair enough yeah die hard is likely to make you feel anxious to be fair it's yeah. very good though i have um, heard it is very good i think that it's a movie i will watch well all the all the reviews are true it's a great film yeah uh, i think i will watch it's, it. it's very good and alan rickman is just fantastic um i'm talking to dan campbell from that's the me. wonder years yeah that's me Hi. hello um, it's me, Dan Campbell, who has seen none of your favorite films. <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a tangent straight yeah. away, but I love that. So tangent, 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 me. Um, yes, and we're backstage at the Troxy, which is a beautiful art deco venue in East London. With the weirdest pink colors. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a, a beach house in Miami. Yes. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but it's um, it is a lovely venue, and it's really nice to see you guys here because it's such a, it's just such a cool Art Deco-y kind of venue. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's yeah. very pretty. Yeah, it should be good fun. Um, but really, we're here to talk about a record which is like almost we're coming up to the year anniversary. Really of coming City. close. Yeah, we're we're at like ten and a half months or something like that yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, and just talk about how it's gone down. It's a record that. I absolutely adored, um, and uh, I don't like that you use past tense. I, oh, <laughs> have you have you stopped liking I, no, no, it? No, no, what's I wrong? Still, I still I still like it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what did I do? That, that was a, that was a faux pas. No, no, no. I I, I absolutely loved it, and we streamed um, back in my previous job. I streamed it on the Independent, and mm -hmm. we had a big kind of talk about it then. Um, and we're going to go into it in some depth here. So I suppose that I, just to give people an idea of sort of the themes of the album in case they haven't heard it. I think the biggest theme to me, especially when we talked about this last time, if you were to sum it up in one word, it's probably empathy. Would you empathy, agree with that? Yeah, and empathy is the one that I lean on uh, yeah. most heavily. Empathy, connectivity, yeah. those are the big ones for me. Could you expand on that for um, people who may not be as familiar with the record? Maybe? Sure, so I think one of the things we talk about is that, um, and I don't think that there's necessarily anything Everyone feels this way, right? Everyone feels like in their brain, they are very important. And I'm not telling you that you're not important or that you're not a valuable person. Um, everyone just in their brain, the universe, it's like you're the star of your own uh, movie, uh, whether it be Die Hard or not, right? Or The Truman Show, which uh, might be yes, more Yes, which actually is way this. more appropriate in this, <laughs> in this, case. In this scenario. I have yeah. seen The Truman Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not too anxious, uh, angst making. Yeah, I like show. The Truman Show. <laughs> it's a good show. Uh, so, but yeah, it's so, but I think that the thing, and people will start to, um, it can be, very isolating in that way. And if, if you don't meet a lot of people, it's hard to understand that they have that same universe happening in their brain and that they are also of equal value and importance. And it's, that can be especially true if those people are 
very far from you in a bunch of different senses, right? So we can talk about they are far from you in physical distance. Mm. They live on the other side of the earth. They are far from you in your ability to communicate with them. They mm. speak a different language. Mm. They don't use the same, uh, you know, you're not going to iMessage that person, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, they are far from you maybe ideologically as far as religion goes. They are far from you culturally as far as what they, their habits, what they eat, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so when that distance exists, I think they find that people have trouble empathizing and understanding that that person and I think that that is especially true because right now that there is an incredibly divisive rhetoric happening worldwide in your country and my country yep. Yep. where people are being told hey that person you've never met that you have no connection to they're your enemy mm -hmm. they're your adversary they threaten your way of life they hate you and you have no way of fact checking that right because those people are far from you geographically, culturally, yeah. language barrier wise. Yeah. Um, so I think the big thing the record is trying to say is, hey, we took this trip around the world, we played all these places, and the thing that we find most commonly is that people are good, people are cool, like, and, and that they are of equal value and importance to you. And so, um, you know, it's like you, you see it on TV and it's like, uh, this country successfully bombed this country. Mm. And it, it's just like a little thing in the news ticker. And then you have to stop and think, those are fucking people, right? Mm. Uh, those are people. Um, it's like, we're gonna make sure that we build this wall to keep uh, these people out. Like, those are people. Mm. And they're coming here mm. because they need the help that you could offer them. Mm -hmm. And instead you're turning them away because you don't see them as equal to you or as valuable as important as you are because you are only concentrating on the universe inside of your head yeah. and you're not empathizing with the one that goes on in theirs. Yeah. And so we were trying to say in this record, hey, we've been to a lot of these places and I know maybe you haven't yet, but these people are cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of examples of that, such as um, uh, Flowers Where Your Face Used To... Is it Flowers Where Your Face Used To Be? Where flowers you talk, Where Your Face Should Be. Should be, I apologize. Yeah. Um, where you uh, talk about... Um, uh, uh, there was a homeless couple under the 101 yeah, freeway. And, and, and yeah, that. right. So that was just, that was literally, we were making the record and that was the only verse I had not yet finished. Right. And I was walking to the gym. We lived uh, in an Airbnb and I was just walking down the street to the LA Fitness and then under the 101, there's encampments of homeless people, right? They live a very different life than the life I live. Mm. And, you know, who cares what brought them there? That is where they are, right? They live a different life than me. And I watched this like incredibly tender moment of uh, a couple that kind of woke up and um, it, she kind of took his glasses off and folded them up and put them on his chest so that he wouldn't fall asleep and break them. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, like there's just like a tender moment of love here from a person that like maybe like I have a very different existence then, but the <sighs> the threads of that are still very plain to see. It's a beautiful message and a particularly um, strong one in, as you sort of already alluded to, these times that we live in, which feel very um, opposite to that in terms of we're all afraid of one another. And, um, you know, your country has a very scary leader at the moment. I, our country's government is doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on. It's very confusing we, for me. Yeah, well, I asked a couple of people and they were like, I don't know. We don't <laughs> have a clue. Yeah. Like, we don't have a clue. This Brexit stuff is a total joke, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I think even some of the people who voted for it are starting to feel that way as well. And we live in very, very divided times. 
But something that I think has um, been a constant with your lyrics um, is you've always tried to find the hope in things, even in desperate times. This is quite a wide question. Okay. But what hope do you see for um, us at the moment? Is it is it those little moments There's, under the yeah, one I think and stuff like that? It's moments of kindness and, yeah. and moments of humanity when you understand that everyone is struggling in a different way and yeah. that, you know you have to be empathetic to those people. And I think that there is a great deal. I think it's very easy to glass half empty America right now. Yeah. Right. Especially yeah. if you're outside of it yeah. and you're going, you elected this dirtbag, mm-hmm. right? Like you elected this guy who it seems like can barely put a fucking sentence together, much less run the free world. And who is very clearly racist and very mm-hmm. clearly homophobic and very, you know, a, a horrible guy basically. Right. Um, out for his own interests. But you also, the other thing, the flip side of it is, yes, he won the election, right? But he received less votes and won the election. Yeah. A, a greater number of Americans voted for him not to be in office. It's just that we have this very confusing system of elections where the gross number of people who vote for you does not necessarily decide who wins. It's, you know, each state gets a number of votes assigned to them. And then they're, it's, it's very confusing mm. and, and I don't need to go into it for mm. everyone. Mm-hmm. But what I can say is, okay, well, more than half of the voting populace of America did not want this leader to represent them. Mm. Um, and so I think that's kind of an important thing to remember. And I kind of cling on to that sometimes when it seems like, man, like it's dark as these are terrible people. And then I think every time something terrible happens every time this leader enacts i try so hard not to say his name because i don't want to give him the credit (laughs) i I don't want him to we all know who you're talking about (laughs) but every time he does something particularly shitty people stand up and fight him no one lays down and gets rolled over by Mm -hmm. it right Mm -hmm. when he tried to put a ban on uh people arriving from muslim majority nations i remember that Several members, I mean, uh, of the mayor of Philadelphia, one of the senators of Pennsylvania and the governor of Pennsylvania all left like um, they were in like black tie affair, left and went to the airport to go fight it like on site. Right. Like there are, you know, Philadelphia um, has voted in the most progressive D.A. of I think anywhere in America ever. Larry Krasner. I mean, Pennsylvania's Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman is like a progressive champion. And honestly, the fucking man, that guy's cool as yep. hell. Okay. Um, you know, you saw Beto almost win in Texas. Mm. And I know what other people in other countries think about Texas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily true. Texas mm. actually has some fucking amazing people that are super progressive and super thoughtful and super caring. Um, but, you know, it's a, a lot of people in Texas and a lot of people who have very, very, very traditionally voted conservative, very traditionally for fucking ever. And Beto almost won. Mm. That kind of gives me some hope. Mm. So there's definitely pieces of it that are hopeful for me there to see people fighting back against it, not just accepting it. And I assume in the last year since you've been touring, you've seen... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and guessing even more little slithers of hope here and there that 
may influence the next record or may not or you know um i'm but i'm assuming there are bits and pieces that have happened whilst you've been touring sister cities that that have come through and, and that give you hope as well yeah i mean every time i meet someone that is kind i feel more hopeful right every right. time i have a, a good conversation with someone i feel more hopeful um every time we're in a city and we see a protest i feel more hopeful and so and it happens all the time yeah 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 absolutely yeah. there's a wonderful uh song on uh sister cities uh called uh we were like lightning we look like lightning you're very close destined to get one word wrong in every single song we look like lightning we look like lightning i remember you told me the story of this song a year ago and and i I couldn't get it into the finished piece so i just wanted Mm -hmm. to ask you again just so that we could get it out there um effectively it is about uh traveling a lot and yeah. the key phrase being what song would you like to die to sure. do, do you recall yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. so well, okay so the the song i mean at its very very core yeah the idea of a song was uh we are so far apart and the world is so big but almost in another way not really because i can be anywhere in 24 hours yes Um, and we traveled a lot of places and it makes you feel very interconnected to be able to go to these places relatively quickly. I believe you said it was just over 40 flights that you did. uh, Yeah, we did over 40 flights that year. 17 or 16, one of those. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 17. I mean, back to back years, we were doing like 30, 40, 50 flights. Yeah, Um, yeah. And then the the other side of it is... um, it's also kind of terrifying sometimes. Of course, yeah. Uh, and just the concept of flying is yeah. terrifying. Isn't and it? we used to do this thing when we were driving the van, and uh, you get to like the Great Plains of America, like we call it Tornado Alley, yeah. and you would start to see like, man, the wind's really picking up, and it's like there's this really ominous storm on the horizon because you can see for miles and miles and miles. And we would just say, "Well, what song do you guys want to die to?" And yeah. <laughs> put it up, and everyone would vote, put it on the, the stereo, and so. Uh, <laughs> That kept ha- that happened like twice on flights that year where I was like, the turbulence is bad enough that I'm going to pick a song that if the plane goes down, at least I'm listening to this <laughs> song. Can I ask what you picked? Do you remember? Oh, man. Uh, I don't remember because it's not that I had a choice of every song. Yeah, I only had yeah, what was yeah, yeah. currently yeah, saved was in my catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was probably like a Tiger's Jaw song because I had Spin down. Oh, right. Okay. It was like, okay, of the songs currently available to me on my phone, I'm going to pick this uh, <laughs> June by Tiger's Jaw. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I think all of the Wonder Years albums have this sense of transition. It's definitely something that's been talked about in interviews quite a lot, that every single album is a step forward. Yes. I feel like Sister Cities was a huge leap forwards, personally. Mm. Um, And I was wondering if that was down to, was there anything that sort of needed to change within the Wonder Years camp? Or or do you you agree with that system? Well, yeah. So this is the, and I I say it, and it's so unnecessarily mathy. I just did it in this other interview, the exact same phrasing. So I'm going to just, I'll give it to you the same way. I always think that every record should be plus one, right? Mm -hmm. Just here is one more step, one more step, one more step. Um, I feel like because I was dealing with a ton of writer's block issues when we were making No Closer to Heaven, I don't feel like we gave you the whole step. Mm. I feel like we shorted you a little bit of that step and that it was too close to greatest generation. Mm. Um, in some ways we took the risks and we took the step forward. And then in other ways we kind of pulled our punches a little bit. And so we just felt like coming into this one, we didn't just owe you a step. We owed you this, the piece of the step we gave, we shorted you last time. Okay. So we just went all the way in on if something it used to, and also the the other side of it was time. We had more time to make the record. There wasn't okay. pressure of time. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I think before, oftentimes we would say, okay, time to write the bridge. We play a part and go, that is the bridge now. It sounded good. And this time we said, okay, that was the bridge and it sounded good, but could it be better? Could we do something different? Yeah. Let's yeah. not just do the first thing. That comes to mind. And so we pushed it a little bit. You know, we were trying to, and it was a conscious decision because we felt like we owed it to you. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to deliver. So there was more time to experiment, I suppose. There was more time to... Yeah, we didn't just have to say, okay, well, we have t one more week to finish writing this record and that bridge sounds great, so yeah. let's roll with it. Yeah. It was, that bridge sounds great, so record it and we have it now. Yeah. Can we beat it? I think... Uh, one of my favorite songs on the record. Oh, I'm going to quote another song, get one word wrong, probably. Okay, tell me the track number. It's track 11, but I want to try this. It's the hand that, the hand that, oh, the, oh, the, the ocean grew hands to, fuck, hold me. Yes. Yes. Thank you so the much. The ocean grew the hands, ocean grew to, hands hold to hold me. me. It's all in there, man. I promise you. It's just jumbled. No, I, I don't remember. <laughs> my favorite record of all time is Gospel by Fireworks. And if you, right. told, you said, what's track three? Or what's track six? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm um, not a track title guy unless it's my songs, and then I really know them. Um, the ocean grew hands to hold me. Ocean I, sorry. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got it. I was repeating oh, it. I was reinforcing it. Um, I feel like is a really good example of that, in my opinion. It's one of my favorite songs on the record. It might even, I mean, it's might even be. It's my, favorite, it's my favorite song we ever wrote. Is it? Okay, I, I, won't, cool. I won't pull that punch at all. I'm cool. going to tell you that. And it's a great thing for you to bring up because it is exactly that, pushing each other. So it was, uh, I came in and I got an acoustic guitar and I, we, were, we were at the record at Matt's house and I'm sitting on the back porch and I went, hey guys, what do you think about this? And I kind of played a little bit of that verse, like the stop making deals with God, yeah. right? And I played it and everyone was like, that's all right. And Casey went, you know, it'd be cooler instead of in this four feel, if it was like a six, eight or like a three, four kind of feel. Right, right. And I went, no, it wouldn't, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Idiot, <laughs> what do you know, Casey? Yeah. Uh, I, was, I wrote it and I want to keep it like this. And then I went home that night and was like, stupid idiot, Casey, but I guess I'll try it. And it was like, oh, fuck, he was right. <laughs> he was so right. And because uh, we switched the time signature, yeah. all of a sudden the bridge, the when I was in shambles, when I got to wait, yeah. the ocean grew hands to hold me, yeah. clicked into place. Right. I had the lyric written down, but I couldn't figure out how to sing it because it didn't work in 4-4. Four -four. And I went back in the next day and was like, oh, fucking Casey was right. <laughs> and so, and then we went there and we're like, okay, so now Casey pushed us to change the time signature. It's, okay, we did that ma one big major change. And then it was like, okay, we start playing the song and we're like, it's too, the bass is not working. Something's not working. And so Nick was like, Josh, what if you didn't play the bass? Like, what if you played a bass synth instead? And then we had like the, the even pads and we could swell it up and down. It would mm. feel more ocean-like, mm. right? Mm. Like, oh shit, okay, there's an answer there. And it's like, we pushed each other to change time signatures and now we mm. push each other to change instruments. Right, yeah. and then you know we start playing the song, and Kennedy starts building it up, and, he, and we get to the parts between the verses, and he's crashing on it. And we're like, it's too loud, too soon, you know. And we never show restraint. We're always like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great, fucking do it. So then it was like, okay, what if we pull back on that? And then it was like, Casey, what if instead of playing the tremolo part, you played with the ebo? And it was just everyone saying, don't do the thing that you did, try to do it a different way, and challenging each other across the room 
that made us make that song the way it was. Mm, mm. I I think you hit on it so well when you're talking about just now talking about restraint. I think it's um, I think so much of what makes it one of my favorite Wonder Years songs is that really um, disciplined sense of restraint and the way that it builds over six odd minutes yeah and, and it doesn't uh, feel like six minutes to me nope, nope not at all um but it's it beautifully it's almost like a sort of I, i'm a big admirer of post-rock which is we talk about a lot on this podcast mm-hmm. and it's, it's almost has a post-rock kind of feel yeah and we, it, we love know. i mean especially nick nick is a huge post-rock guy i don't know if you ever heard his post-rock stuff that he does i'm um, not sure if i have it's called schedule of no plan okay. he does two other things he does why bother which is like kind of angular mathy um like Rocket from the Crypty stuff. Oh, cool. Um, that he sings on. And then he does a thing called Schedule of No Plan. Uh, and now that I've done that, I also have to say, Michael put out a weird, like, I mean, totally avant-garde record uh, named MDK. Okay. And Matt has a thing that he does um, called Cold Climate. Okay. But not climate like the word climate, like cold. And then the word climb as though you're climbing something. Okay. And then it. Okay. Uh, and... Um, Josh has a record store called Wax Bodega and Casey has a studio called True Level and I do another band called Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties. And now I have given equal time to everyone's projects (laughs) after I shut it on Nick's. Very important. Again, it's all about empathy. Yeah, and and it's just, you know, uh, we're we're best friends. We yeah. take care of each other yeah. whenever you know whether it's in the Wonder Years or not. I remember it's it's a cliche, isn't it, that uh when a band releases a record, they're always like, oh, this is my favorite record. Yeah, it's the best record we've done. Yeah. I do remember at the time that No Closer to Heaven came and I'm, I'm not, I'm, this is not meant, I'm not bringing yeah. this up in a kind of, you're wrong kind of way, but like, um, I remember at the time, you know, you're doing that classic thing of No Closer to Heaven came out and you're like, oh, it's the best record we've yeah. done. And then you sort of, after time went on, you were like, well, I'm not sure if it was necessarily. And yeah. certainly when Sister Cities came out, when we last spoke almost a year ago, sure. you were certainly of that opinion. It doesn't sound like you've changed your mind no, at all. No, Sister Cities is the best record we've ever made. I, I agree. I, you know, people don't have to agree with that assessment, but that mm. is my assessment of mm. it. And mm. I, I do think No Closer to Heaven and Greatest Generation are kind of like 2A, 2B. Um, I think that like at the time when we were putting out No Closer to Heaven, I had talked myself into it being cleanly better than Greatest Generation. Mm. And in retrospect, I think that it has higher highs, but it also has lower lows. And I think that Mm. it puts it, you know, if you said gun to your head, rank them right now, I would go Sister Cities, and then I probably would honestly say Greatest Generation, then No Closer to Heaven, then Suburbia, then Upsides. Um, You know, I want to say No Closer to Heaven is number two, because Mm. I want to say we get better every record. Mm. But I think upon retrospect, I think that it's it's very close, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely put some thought back into it, and I, I still think a year later that's that uh, that Sister Cities is the record we we were supposed to make. Mm. I well, so I agree with you. So you know, everyone in this room agrees. Um, Unless and Bruce is in the the <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, but I, I and you know, classic. Uh, journalist I, I got the album a couple of months before it was released and i mm-hmm. listened to it and i was straight on to tom who's the wonderful man who uh, we're working with today who and said i want to stream this record on the independent i want to give it a big you know lots of press blah 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 because i when i heard it i was like i think this is a huge turning point for you guys mm-hmm. now i hope you don't mind me saying this is where the hard questioning comes in go ahead hit me 
I was surprised at generally how I I don't I don't feel like the record did I was expecting it to hit far bigger than it did. Okay. I'm trying to be polite, sure. but then that's, at the same time, that's a fine time, thing to say. Yeah, um, I was shocked that yeah. I think our, for our fan base, yeah, I think it hit really well. Yeah, yeah, um, it definitely. I mean, and we can see it. I mean, we can literally look at the math on it and see the streams and see yeah. the engagement and know that it it. Did. I mean, we can we can look at it when we play the songs later tonight. We know that it's done well within our fan base. I do think that there was some hope with the label and with us that maybe this has the opportunity to go broader right. than the fan base that we've already established. Um, maybe we have a shot at radio for the first time in yeah. our career. Maybe we have a shot at uh, some of these other festivals that never gave us a look. And the success there has been uh, greater than in the past, but maybe not what our pie in the sky dreams of it were yeah. right. Like in Philly, the title track actually gets played on the radio a lot. Cool. Um, which is a big deal for us because as far as terrestrial radio goes, we would put out a record and be lucky to get 10 spins over the course of a year. You know, uh, mm. in just Philadelphia, sister cities has gotten, I think I was told last night, close to 700 spins now. Great. So it's getting spun multiple times every day. Yeah. Um, but outside of Philly, it's only landed in a couple markets radio-wise. And, you know, we did. Pitchfork gave it a great review. Mm -hmm. Very thankful for it. Spin did a great piece. The Independent did mm -hmm. a stream mm -hmm. of it. Um, critically, actually, I think it did it very did really well. It did really well critically, yeah. too. Yeah. But I don't think, I think that you're right in saying it's not like we all of a sudden jumped up to arenas. No, sure. And I wasn't I wasn't expecting an arena jump. That's a hell of yeah. a jump. But I, I just remember hearing it. And sometimes you hear a record and you go, oh, this is going to be big. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to be like, oh, my ego was bruised because I was wrong <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But I, 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 if anyone's ego should be bruised by that, it might be mine, <laughs> well, of course, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> but I was, I, I, I was genuinely, it seems an odd thing to say in an interview, but I was genuinely stunned at, at the yeah. quite, I, I suppose in relatively muted reaction obviously not within the fan base and like you said like we've said critically it did really yeah. really well but i and i suppose i was just going to i was curious you know with with you very clearly stating this is the best record we've done mm -hmm. and i completely agree with you were you surprised by that or in some ways yeah i think that in you know a lot of the times with this kind of thing it's a little bit of um people the the tastemakers on a broader scale maybe um yeah. want a newer thing you know where the wonder years has been around the block a couple of times so mm. it's like why invest in this band on their fifth or sixth record that's um, a, that's a hard one. that yeah. that's that ends up being really difficult and then yeah. also i mean pure unfettered disclosure here i, I was really struggling last year and i i mean it, it goes in cycles for me um, but when we were doing the press on that record, I was in therapy. I was really trying to, we had our manager leave because he was having a baby and, you know, wanted to be more focused on that. And so like I took over all of these like extra managerial duties and I'm trying to deal with my own brain. And it was like, maybe I, I, I think I shorted it a little bit on like mm. the press side. Like I wasn't, we did, I did not do a lot of interviews. We did not do a lot of the, the things that like kind of. Um, ingratiate you into those kinds of things you to do mm -hmm. from what we understand there's a lot of like you got to go do the 
the festival, the radio festival, you got to go do the acoustic set. You got to, and we've done some of that before where they put you in a room at Comedy Central and a bunch of people who don't give a shit who you are at all have to come in and you have to play acoustic for them and be like, please put our songs in TV shows. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been to some of these events and and they are, I I don't understand them. I don't think that, I think that I didn't have the energy left. Sure, Uh, sure. Once the record came out, I put so much into the run up to it and we put it out and we were like, okay, let's go on tour. And then usually when you're on tour, it's like, okay, every day, if you really, really want it to break and you're willing to do anything every day, you do a series of interviews and you get put into a taxi, you get sent to the radio station, you do the thing in the, we did nothing, none of it. Cause I was just so fried. Um, it's, and that's just, that's kind of like the the unfortunate reality of of doing this for as long as we've done it, and mm-hmm. for and and to it's it was more important to me to take care of myself at that time. Absolutely, and so that's what that's what we did. Um, and I don't have any regrets about it. I, I love the record. I love that our fans love the record. I love that we were able to reach some people that we hadn't been able to reach before. Um, but I would rather do it that way than, you know, bend over backwards and and, and do damage to myself yeah. to, you know, to try to get it into, to fight to get it into the arena for a bigger shot. You need to pick your battles at the right times as well, especially when mental health issues come up and things like that. I, you know, I was diagnosed with depression myself four mm-hmm. or five years ago and, and it can, uh, if you're going through a down point, yeah, it can really cloud everything and give you uh, a, a, a sort of sense of what, what's the point maybe i don't know if that's uh there's a little bit of that malaise mm-hmm. that comes and then the other thing is you start to be uh self-protective mm. and you start to realize what you can take right mm. and so i got to a point where i was like i know right now i'm not in the headspace to be able to take uh rejection Mm. right like if i if we go pitch for this thing and it gets turned down i'm not in a headspace to take that that would be yeah so instead let's just not pitch for it we're happy with what we have yeah you know we we love what we have where we feel so lucky to play for the people that we do because we don't just have the the pleasure of playing music for people we by and large have the pleasure of playing music for good people yeah for really wonderful fans we feel very lucky not just to have fans which would be lucky in the first place but to have really kind understanding empathetic thoughtful fans and so that's good for us Mm. that that's good for me i would love to be in the biggest band in the world some days Mm. um other days I would love for no one to know who I am and to be able to hide in my bedroom. And I think that in order to be one of the biggest artists on earth, you're not allowed to have that second day. Yeah. God, yeah. God, that's so true. Uh, how do, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've never, you know, I've never been in a band to the point where I've got to tour properly or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I have my darkest days, sometimes I can't even imagine getting out of bed. Um, yeah. And inevitably you must have dark days on the road it's going to happen yeah if it's not too too much to ask 
how how do you get out of that uh, when you're on to, when you when you you have to get up on stage yeah. that day how do you, how do you how do you get yourself out of that so it's a couple of things um one is i'm surrounded by wonderful people my band are my best friends our crew are our best friends and so they they'll know they know yeah. if i'm having a bad yeah, day yeah, and yeah. no one will just say oh he's having a bad day leave him alone it's Hey man, you okay? You want to get a coffee? Yeah. yeah. You know, they care yeah. for it. We care for each other. We There's know. signs, aren't there? Yeah, we yeah. read each other and we care for each other. We yeah. take care of each other. So, yeah. um, and then there's like the the pragmatism in me that says, okay, you're going to have to get on stage in a couple hours. So you're going to have to do the shit. Like, go do a thing, anything that you, I, you know, anything you know that will improve your mood even 5%. Go do it. You know, like, um, you know, go get the coffee, go to the comic book store, go yeah. walk around, take some pictures, go do out, something. Go outside sometimes. Even if it's need. a little something because there's no option to cancel the show. Yeah. That's not, yeah. you don't get that. Yeah. Um, we, we really don't cancel shows unless there's like a, a real danger. Like we had to cancel a show uh, in Salt Lake because there's only two roads from uh, Denver to Salt Lake. There's okay. I-70 and I-80. Mm-hmm. And I-70 is really up and down through the mountains and is very treacherous pretty consistently. I-80 can go both ways. And uh, it was there were sections of it that were black ice, high winds, and we had to call it. You know, there's just there's no other way to get to Saint, or to Salt Lake. You can't take another road. You go through yeah. Wyoming, it's dangerous. We had yeah. to stop. Yeah. But like we've played shows before where I have no voice. None. Right. I'm just yelling, you know, because we're in the Philippines and fuck, when are we gonna come back? Yeah. So there's not, you know, hey, you're in Germany, you're not feeling good today. They deserve a show. Yeah. They, they, they bought the ticket. You got to go give them a show. And so there's the other part of me that says, there's no choice. Go fucking mm. do it. Yeah. And then the last bit is once I walk out there, they energize me. Yeah. The crowd yeah. energizes me. I, I feel very different with a microphone in my hand on a stage. Um, 90% of the time. Mm. That can change the whole game for me. Hand me a mic, put me in front of people, and... Uh, and I, I feel like immediately my brain switches into a mode where it's just like, you have an obligation to perform, perform. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There was a, um, I can't remember where I read it now. I want to say spin. Um, and it was from a while ago. So you may, might might be different now or it might be taken out of context or I'm not sure. But there was a hint in an article that Sister Cities could potentially be the last Wonder Years record. Yeah, I remember Ian, it's funny because Ali just said a similar thing. Right. Not about that, but Ian, when we were doing that interview, was yeah. like, is is this going to be the last one? And I was like, what would make you think that? And Ali said just now, he was like, I always get the feeling that anything could always be the last thing with this band. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Hmm. We've never said anything like that, I don't think. I mean, this time we did say, we're going to tour less so I can be home with the baby that I am about to have. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and what Ali was saying to me just a moment ago before this interview was it's just, there's something about uh, your band where I feel like you guys are making it, making the art for the sake of the art. And yeah. if you felt like the art was no longer a value that you would stop doing it. And I do think that that is in a way true. Um, if we felt like we were making something that was valueless, we would not make that thing. And if we felt that we would derive 
more joy from a different thing in life, a different goal than mm -hmm. this one, mm -hmm. then we would do that other thing, I think. But there's no plan for us to not be a band at all. There, okay. There's nothing, I mean, we're already thinking about 2020, 2021. Good, um, okay. We, we are planning to be a band. Yeah. Um, we're also planning to care for our bodies and our minds a little better than yeah. we have. Yeah. Um, and to, to pick our shots a little cleaner and not take everything, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. but, but that's just sensible as you grow yeah, as a band and, yeah, and have other commitments. And I think the other thing that Ian was hinting at was when we started, we kind of started with a bunch of other bands and most of those bands have called it. Fireworks, Polar Bear Club, Lost for Words, Transit, Man Overboard, The Swellers, Hostage Com, um, are no longer bands. Yeah. And so it is, sometimes it's a little weird for us because we're like the group of friends that we played music with, they don't, they don't play anymore. Yeah. They don't tour anymore. Um, but it's been an opportunity to make new friends. One thing I really miss from those bands is Fireworks would make a record that was so good that I had to think about how we could stay in their league. Right. And Hostage Con would make a record and Polar Bear Club would make a record and I would think, and so I do miss, um, I, I'm pretty competitive. Yeah, okay. And, and I think in like a healthy way, those, I love yeah, those yeah, guys, yeah. they're really, really close friends. But I would think, man, that was so fucking good. Mm. How could I possibly stand up to that? Yeah. And then we gotta raise our game. Yeah. Um, so that that might be, I, I think because I've spoken about that before, that might go into the, well, those those bands are gone. Like, are you going to be gone soon too? Yeah, but yeah, again, sure. yeah, the plan is not to be gone anytime soon. The plan is to make make music as long as we're happy making it. Are there other bands? I mean, I suppose really you should just be trying to create your own work and not look at other bands too much. But are there other bands that you sort of look up to and see as your peers almost now that you've moved through that group into something relatively different i don't know about peers i mean we've made a lot of wonderful new friends yeah um you know the band that we didn't get to tour with before or that they weren't maybe making music when we yeah. started yeah yeah um you know uh, we've been spending a ton of time with pronoun on this tour yeah uh movements obviously we never spent any time with mayday who are great free throw and winter passing were great tiger's jaw we really got close with tiny moving parts cool yeah um, great band yeah, I mean, Laura Stevenson, we did two tours with over the course of a year. Uh, it was wonderful. And one of them, Laura just rode with us, which was cool. Cool. Uh, she didn't have a band with her, so it was like Laura was in our band for a little bit. Oh, nice. Which was a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I think about it so much in like a, a peer way or like where we are as much as it is like on a human level. It's like it's nice to, to make all these new great friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I, I wish you... All the best of luck with work and with family life and with everything. Yeah. Uh, and Dan, thank you so hey, much for talking to me. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank, thank you. you.